Shut up and sit down. Greetings from the heartland of America, Guthrie, Oklahoma, and Hoboken Coffee Roasters. This is the Bold Leadership Podcast, where we are building bold leaders to solve tomorrow's toughest challenges. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for taking the time. The Bold Leadership Podcast is published every Tuesday for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.exsin.co. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud favorites. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Bold Leaders and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. And now, here are your hosts, former Air Force pilot, commander, and business owner Dave Evans with his partner in crime, former combat controller, wealth advisor, and deal maker extraordinaire Phil Nichols. Let's get into the show. Well, welcome to another episode of Bold Leadership. And I am really excited to have Greg Dowdy, the founder of the Lipid Brain, with us today to talk about leadership. Now, the Lipid Brain developed the research, outcome, and evidence-grounded inventories and working towards the artificial intelligence behavior replication solution, a a psychological theory with algorithms that quantifies the interaction between neurobiological and environmental drives, building underlying probability structures with the potential to predict behavior building free preventative research applications for suicide, domestic violence, and cultural violence, as well as free outcome solutions in the critical field, such as corrections and terrorism. He also assisted with the stand-up of the Marine Intercept Program at 29 Palms to help reduce suicide with the Marine Corps by offering a clinical safety net and case management uh, for the Marines. The program received national attention after a successful first two years, and it's still going today. But more importantly, we share a common bond. Greg served in the United States Air Force for 12 years as a firefighter and recruiter. And I can tell you, the most fun guys to hang out with are firefighters in the Air Force. So with that, Greg, welcome to the show. Yeah, we're, thanks. Yeah, we're a special breed, you know. Uh, yeah, and, and you were a pilot? I, I was for 20-something years, but I spent a lot of time with firefighters because they always pulled me out of my airplane when it caught on fire so they're always nice to yeah you. we did we practiced <laughs> that a lot in fact i was over at upper hayford uh in england raf upper hayford uh, very familiar great place okay yeah and they had the the f-111s yep and we we're on a, an exercise and and we were pulling a pilot out and and those were rather dangerous because the whole pod you know if, yep. if they rest the the whole pod goes and and the shrapnels everywhere but so so i go to pull this guy out and he's not your typical pilot. He, he was. Uh, he played. I think it was offensive or defensive line for the academy. <laughs> he's a big guy, and, and he was being he was being problematic. Let's say he was <laughs> he was playing games. So I I, I, I finally I just kind of reached under him and and you know uh, grabbed a little little, little bit of a. Uh, of skin between my thumb and forefinger, and he just came right out. It was awesome. They usually move faster when you tweak them a little bit, right? That's that's important. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Come on. <laughs> so I could I could talk stories about Upper Upper Hayford. I had a lot of friends that flew out of there. A great place. England is fabulous. If you haven't been, go. Um, it's a lot of fun. But let's talk about leadership. So I got a question. So what is your favorite leadership quote? You know, really, I. I struggled with that because it's it's hard to find people who really talk about the whole general idea. I'm I'm a fan of Henry Ford. 
you know, and, and his is, you know, or one of his is don't find fault, find a remedy. And it really kind of gets into the, the concept that if you define a problem, I mean, human behavior is human behavior. We're, and the concept with, with, with the neurosciences now is that human, human behavior and the concept of free will or the concept of free will within human behavior is kind of going out the window. The, the, the research is showing, throwing a lot of shade at free will. Things happen. We, we, our buttons get pushed. Our emotional brain can take over and behavior occurs. So, so it's really if you're, if you're struggling to, to figure it out because you're, you're blaming, um, then the organization is going to suffer because of that. And it creates an atmosphere and it's poison. Uh, so, so really it's, it's important to, to, to look at behavior on a continuum uh, and, 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 and what's it going to, to take to fix it versus, you know, you're a bad person or, or, or you really screwed up and, you know, on the discipline side of the house. Well, I think it's fair to say that we all screw up and, you know, finding your purpose and finding where you fit is extremely important. And it's a challenge for a lot of leaders because, you know, especially younger leaders, they, they really focus on uh, action result type stuff. And there may be bigger issues along the way that you're not dealing with as a leader. And I think it's important that you get into those and dig deep to understand the challenges. I mean, we're all carrying something every day, right? Every day's tough. We all have challenges we deal with, and some people's challenges are greater than others. I love the quote by Henry Ford, by the way. And you're the second person in three weeks to uh, mention Mr. Ford. So that's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, you know, he's, he's, he was quite a guy. He had his issues as well. But <laughs> uh, in the end, I mean, w- w- when you have a guy that, that does mass-producing automobiles and cuts the price in half while making improvements – because he understands the importance of, of putting a car in every driveway and what that'll do to the country, then that, that's pretty powerful. Extremely. So let me ask you a question. As the founder of Lipid Brain, how do you apply this quote to your daily life? Well, everything that, that we do is, is evidence-based. The, the entire system is, is built on finding a remedy. So it, it's, and of course, I'm dealing more with preventative applications uh, that we're going to get out there for free for initially uh, mental health professionals. But the, the entire system is based on research. Uh, the variables are defined by research. It self-tests for reliability and validity, um, you know, and, and then it will build. It's, it's not intended to be perfect. It's, it's intended to build around the evidence that it creates as well. Um, and, eventually through artificial intelligence begin to learn um, and zero in on being able to define risk for dangerous behaviors or or just uh, getting along more comfortably in life. Well, I think there's a number of applications for what you're doing. It it, it applies, you know, get back to the mission. It applies to mental state for mission operators when things happen, identifying things that happen that can happen before they do happen, because we're dealing with some pretty challenging scenarios as a military right now, being at war for the last 20 years, right? Yeah, and in fact, some of the applications that I've been working on are solutions that that I, you know, I, I don't have the time to to really be overly involved right now. Would include uh, better defining terrorism, uh, the making of homegrown terrorists. Uh, you, you know, everything that includes psychology as a science and, and all behavior, regardless of the scope. Um, 
or the consequence is based in neurobiology. The, the, there's a very specific neuronal fingerprint for everything that we do in, in every instance occurring over time. And if we can begin, eventually the neurosciences will, will, will have that all figured out, you know, and we'll just wear a little helmet or a hat band or something, you know, and, and it'll kind of read and maybe even self-correct stuff. I, I don't know. But So wait, hold on. You're not wearing aluminum foil out there in Nevada, are you? I'm, I'm yeah, worried about yeah, yeah, of course I am. <laughs> I'm in Nevada. <laughs> I had to ask. Um, so in you've you've done a lot of things in your life. You know, you, you spent twelve years in the military. Then you stepped out on your own, became a counselor. Uh, you're doing some great things with Lipid Brain in the last two years. What is the biggest leadership challenge you have overcome uh, during those times? You know, um, I, I would say when I first took over and started working and and, and running uh, adolescent treatment programs, and I got involved with a great company very, very early in my career. And I think that was probably due to, to my experience in the Air Force as well as working with disabled children before that. But I ended up taking over. And, and, and first, let, let me set this up real quickly. In the mid-90s, managed care was coming in uh, to most states, to, to include Montana. And it was a, it was a huge political uh, row and, and a lot of different sides and promises made uh, in, in politics. And, and one of the promises that was made when managed care was taking over all the funding of, of the state's mental health is that they would bring all of the kids back to Montana that had been sent all over the country because we didn't have the services to deal with that level of, of behavior or, or disruption. And so we had kids in Texas and back east where the state was paying $1,500, $2,000 a day or, or even more uh, to keep these kids in, in treatment programs. And part of the deal was to bring them all back to Montana. Well, unbeknownst to me, the company moved me over to start a residential treatment program that was designed to house these kids that were coming back. And I, I thought we were, I was building a continuum of care. So if we had kids in our intensive therapeutic group homes in, in, the, in the community and they couldn't attend school or the, the behavior was too erratic, then we'd have a campus space with a day school that we could send them to, get them back on track, and then send them back out into the community. And that wasn't the case. It was bringing in kids from the highest, most restrictive placements into a campus-based program where we didn't have the psychiatric staff, we didn't have psychiatric nurses. You know, when they acted out, a lot of the times they were given a shot or they were restrained or, or all of those sorts of things. And so I had to develop a staffing pattern to overcome that. And, and I got into that position without knowing that that was really what I was going to be doing. So that was when you're paying corporate staff, minimum wage, to come in and deal with some of the most extreme behavior that they're ever going to see. That requires leadership. So, okay. so that was the biggest challenge. That sounds like a huge challenge. Goodness gracious. Um, let's see here. What I want to ask you now. Um, let's see here. 
What do you see is the biggest leadership challenge in your industry and that companies face today? I mean, you're in a very sensitive industry, very hard, uh, challenging problems to deal with. What do you think the biggest challenge, leadership challenge you face today? Well, I think the industry is, is you know, for, for the first time, psychology is becoming a hard science. You know, it, it, it was born out of philosophy you know, and, and then the behaviorists kind of took over and we were able to form, you know, measure relationships and variables and, you know, observe and direct and, and, and do some pretty intense research. But over the past 20 years and specifically in the past 10 years, the medical technology has gotten to the point where in, 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 instead of measuring um you know, relationships between depression and anxiety or, or whatever you, you may be doing. Now they're, they're looking at it in real time in the brain and, and how the systems of the brain are, are causing that signature that's causing a behavior. And But the challenge is, while we, while we have this incredible information that's coming about, is getting it down to the counselors, to, to the, the mental health clinicians, and people just generally overall. Right. You know, you, you get the headlines that, you know, of, of you know, the, the brain connectome, you know, organization finding all these systems and figuring this out. And, you know, they're doing deep brain stimulation to, to treat depression and, and, and this sort of thing. But it's on a very small scale and it's not reaching the people who were performing the mission. And that's the challenge I see our industry facing at this point is, is making that conversion to where we can use the evidence uh, where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, that's really interesting. And in your About Us section of the Lipid Brain, you, know, you talk about your goal. At the end of the day, you guys want to help those who need it the most by empowering people through research and technology. What was your, like, I got it moment? I, I figured out this is the way we need to move with the organization. And, and what was the, the premise for you founding the Lipid Brain to go after you know, mental health problems with technology? Because that's a very interesting concept. Well, the, as in uh, working at Camp Pendleton and um, with, with domestic violence um, treatment and, you know, evaluation. And I was in a training with this guy, uh, Dr. David Wexler. He has a, a, a big program down there. Um, incredible guy, incredible program. I mean, I mean as, as, as I design my outcome measures and I compare what he's doing with what I found in research and what I'm measuring, you know, there's a really strong match. And it, and our, our you know, the Marine Corps, the, the Marine Corps Community Services that, that I was working for, they were touting it as being evidence-based. And, and in, in the research, I found some studies that kind of looked at all the systems and said, well, really, none of them are considered evidence-based. The, the evidence just wasn't strong enough. Now, it doesn't mean that it doesn't work. But in talking to him about that, he looked at me and he goes, you know, research is hard. And when you look at, at what it takes to become an evidence-based system, it's incredible. The, the, the amount of work that you have to do, you, you have to tie in with academia, you know, a huge funding issue. You have to run double-blind type of research paradigms. It's, it's, and then it's, it's going to be so focused that it's not necessarily valid or generalizable to the entire system and, and other people that are using it. 
And that was really the aha. That was okay. Well, you know, I think we can do something about that. I'd already been working on some other stuff. But as far as that, that was the, the, the aha moment saying, okay, you know, my, my focus just changed. We need to build an outcome system that can collect so much data from so many people. We have 600 to 800,000 licensed independent mental health providers working with all of these types of problems. And none of that evidence or very little of that evidence is being collected. And so what I'm trying to do is leverage that. Let's get a free outcome system to clinicians all over the country, all over the world, that they can use, share the non-identifiable data, and start analyzing it and, and start building these, these uh, systems of probability. And, and so that's it. That, that, was, that was the moment. So, so with that said, what thing has really got you fired up about what you're doing today and the, what does the future look like for you guys? You know, the, the, the whole thing fires me up. The, the, the doing something new, the, the figuring it out, the, the evidence, getting my nerd on day after day, you know, uh, is, is, is really fun. I have really kind of dedicated a whole lot of time to doing this. Um, as far as the future, you know, we're going to see this is what, what I'm doing is a new, is a new paradigm. It, it, I, I'm attacking the problem in reverse. Everything that I'm using is not novel. I mean, it's, it's all information that's out there, but it's a matter of, of, of the placement and the collection, you know, and, and what you're doing w- with that information that, that's different that while the neurologists and the neuroscientists are, are are figuring out that imprint during the brain or inside the brain. Every behavior is also uh, mirrored or that, that neurobiological process is mirrored by the behavior itself. So if you can work with the behavior and, and break it down into, into the variables and then get enough data, because that's the big thing is getting enough data, then, you know, I, I think we could really change some systems. But I think it's going to be a slow go. I mean, I, I, I'm prepared for that. Um, we'll see. I, mean, I think the biggest challenge from my perspective, and I'm not an expert in your field, but it's connecting the ecosystem, right? Getting all the providers and all the research together where the providers can find that research and understand what you were doing. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Well, a lot of them, you know, are keen to at least some of the research or, or, or the processes involved. Uh, they, they're all taking continuing education every year, you know, and, and so they're, they're, they're following the, the basics in, in the science. And the, the, the evidence, the, they won't really have a problem finding it because it's going to be on their laptop. You know, it, w- w- when they fill out w- these behavioral progressions and they're, they're tracking these clients and, and they're scoring this thing, all that data is collected, analyzed, and sent back to them, or it's just produced within the document itself. So they can build a treatment plan um, and track the variables during treatment um, in real time. And and so I, th- I think that you know that that hopefully will that end up being free um, is hopefully going to overcome those barriers. But there are barriers that, that just doing something new. Uh, counselors are extremely busy 
you know, especially if they're working for an organization and they have to see people on the hour, every hour, you know, plus do their clinical notes, their treatment plan, plus organizational stuff. So the idea of saying, okay, well, you know, take, take a few extra minutes and do this, you know, they're going to need to see the benefit and, and, you know, that's going to be the challenge and, and what we need to overcome to push this thing forward. Well, hopefully this will shed some light on what you're doing at the Livid Brain. Now, I've got a question for you. I noticed in some of our discussions over the last week that you are starting a podcast. Is that true? It is. So can we, can we give a plug for your podcast, and when, when do you think it'll launch? Well, you know, it was supposed to launch last week. <laughs> <laughs> the story of every podcaster. <laughs> yeah, life, life is a trip, man. <laughs> But no, it's going to be at the Lipid Brain, and of course, I'll, I'll have it on LinkedIn as well. Um, and, and a lot of them initially are, are going to be um, informational. They're, they're going to be a little shorter. You know, the, it's what I'm doing is very complex, so I, so I need to chunk it out. Keep it simple and, for, and for us. Yeah, some of it will be instructional, <laughs> like they'll be able to open up, um, you know, the outcome system. And then through the follow, follow me through the podcast and we can go through it. And, and so they can understand how easy it is because when you look at it, you know, it's a mess. I mean, it's, it's this spreadsheet. It's the most advanced spreadsheet I've ever seen. And, and eventually I'll, I'll need to hire someone to come in and probably clean it up a little bit, but in actuality it works really well and very quickly. And it's set up to where you flow right through it. And then once you understand it, it's probably easier and better than having, you know, a system built, um, nice. coded, you know, that, that's going to take longer and, you know, uh, be more attractive, but less efficient. That's the old airman. So, you love in those spreadsheets, right? We, we all love Excel. We all have our spreadsheets and us old guys, you know, that's how we live our lives. We keep it simple, stupid, right? Well, yeah. And the idea is, is before, you know, the resources are spent to, to have it coded, uh, let's get it out there. Uh, something that works uh, where we can collect the data through the OneDrive, Microsoft OneDrive system. Yep. A- and, uh, you know, have all the source documenting and, and, and everything. So when I do take it to a developer, I can say, okay, this is what we're doing and this is how it works. And maybe if we can add A, B, and C, then then let's do that. But it's it's already a working model and it should take less effort to for someone to develop it further. That's kind of the idea. Well, that is awesome. I'm looking forward to the Lipid Brain podcast coming out. Um, and for that, we are out of time for today. So for this episode of Bold, Bold Leadership, we are out of here. Thanks for listening to the show. Our show notes can be found at www.exit.co. If you liked it as much as we think you did, be sure to go to iTunes and leave us a review. 